Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matherface, the assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport's football correspondent, Alex Crook. The Lionesses roar back to life after it looked like their tournament was coming to an early end. England are winning possession well. They're coming forward with Stanway. Space on the right, but Stanway shot. Oh, yes! What a strike from Georgia Stanway! Wow, what a night. It was brilliant but concerning. Wonderful but worrying. Affirming but it raised questions. Confused? Yeah, me too. How did they do it? We will tell you. Germany assessed they could be final opponents, but don't get ahead of yourselves. And what to expect from the semi-finals as well. Also this week, Leicester and Everton. What's going on? Jay Lings is in the forest doing things. Plus, penalty plonkers, Nunes naysayers and Newcastle needs. It's all on the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Hey, a very good uh, morning to you. When I say morning, we're recording this on Friday morning. It's really, really early for me and Crook to uh, get here and do this podcast. But it is. It's 3 a.m. in Orlando, (laughs) where our good friend Darren Lewis is. And Darren said, yeah, yeah, I'll do this one. Yeah, yeah, it's fine for me because, you know, it's it's sort of nearly midnight there where I am. It's fine. It's no problem. (laughs) Then he got to Orlando and he looked at his watch. This time thing's changed. He forgot to realise that actually the closer you get to the East Coast, the less the time difference is. And now what time is it on your watch right now? What is it? It is uh, nine minutes past three. Right, a.m. in the morning. Yeah. You are bonkers. How are you, how you feeling? Did you did you get a, did you have an alarm that got you up? Because last time, we, even when you were in Vegas, right, and you were doing the uh, podcast at midnight, you uh, you fell asleep just beforehand. So what so what happened? What was your night? What did you do? Did you have an alarm to wake um, you up? To be, to be fair, I just did lots of work um, yeah. that kept me busy you for swat. about. Such a swat. That's how you get to assist an <laughs> well, to editor. Be fair, to be fair, when I actually explained this just before we began this podcast, you said to me, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that too. <laughs> the, the lesson, don't give away the secrets, Darren. You know the rules here. Listen, <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, Darren's been in Charlotte, North Carolina. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Yes, he was watching Chelsea lose to FC Charlotte. Um, uh, and he bumped into my brother. The nicer matterface, as we like to call him. <laughs> You had a great time with him, didn't you? I had an absolutely fantastic time. Your brother is the life and soul, let me tell you. And the thing is, he, he's obviously from London. Um, he's very, very fun. He, uh, I met his lovely other half as well. And um, I actually think if you guys finish with me, I may well go over there and set up a podcast with the other <laughs> Matterface. I think that could be quite you should. Do you know what the funny thing about him is, is that uh, he's been in America for 20 years now, but his Cockney accent has got stronger and stronger and stronger <laughs> as the years go. He trades on it. He trades on the fact I've that... I've got a feeling that he's monetized it. He is, yeah, yes. I think he gets paid every time he comes up with a word that makes him sound like he's from the East End. He's actually not from the East End. Not too far, but not 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 quite there. Um, but, you know, Chelsea obviously lost their, their encounter with Charlotte, but it wasn't all bad, was it? I mean, it was a tight encounter. They were winning 1-0 till late on. They conceded a goal and then... I mean, what was Conor Gallagher thinking? Because in the penalty shootout, he tried to do a Penenka. He didn't didn't quite catch it, did he? It was it was only slightly less ridiculous than the the politics in the UK at the moment, which I know we shouldn't go into because we're not a politic, political uh, show. But I think, do you know what? I, I see it in two ways. To be perfectly honest with you, is this the penalty or is this the politics? Which one is it? Where are we go. <laughs> Uh, we import two thirds of our penalty. cheese and it's a disgrace <laughs> God, sorry what were you saying markets <laughs> um, <laughs> I think uh, I was talking to H&J about this earlier this week when I think about Conor Gallagher I think about all the other players who 
they get to a big club and they have all the exuberance coached out of them. And actually, I quite like to see young players with the cojones, if I can say that word, um, to try audacious things. And I like the fact that he tried an audacious thing. Yes, it didn't come off. In the mix zone afterwards, actually, he was full of smiles. He wasn't that bothered. It's pre-season. It's a training exercise. Exactly. What does it matter? But I just hope he doesn't have more moments like this that maybe start to see him shrink into his shell rather than continue to express himself in the same way he did at Palace last season. Yeah, you, you may remember that Romelu Lukaku in the Super Cup took a penalty and missed it. And that sort of ended the first stage of his Chelsea career. Yes. Um, and he ended up going off on loan as a result of that. I, I don't think that's going to happen with Conor Gallagher. Uh, right, OK, let's get to the England game. They beat Spain in a terrific, absorbing contest. Bring it on, it's knockout now. Only heavyweights left. England don't want to be looking back at this tournament saying they should have been contenders. Let's get serious. To the penalty here, Gonzalez with the shot, past the goalkeeper and in, and England are behind for the first time at Euro 2022. It's Russo who nods it down, yes! shots relative, and England score! Seven minutes before the end of the game, England are level. England are winning possession well, they're coming forward with Stanway, space on the right, but Stanway shot, oh yes! What a strike from Georgia Stanway! From the edge of the area, she blasts England into the lead. They've come from behind. And goals don't come bigger than that. A European Championship quarter-final. England were behind. They were limping out. Now, they're bossing it. It's the full-time whistle. And England have won the quarter-final of the European Championships. England have won after extra time by two goals to one. Wow, uh, what a night. England was second best uh, for large parts of that encounter, but ultimately won with goals from substitute Ella Toon and a banger from the boot of Stanway. It was absolutely superb to be in Brighton on... Uh, on, on, I think it was Tuesday. Was it Wednesday night? Wednesday night. Um, I love and, the fact that when it's so good, you can't remember. You, and and I'm, I'm not even joking no. about this. You know, you, you get caught up with the delirium and everything comes at you, you with a rush. And you, you do, you get swept away. Well, what, it's the time difference as well. Because in Brighton, it's, it was it was 2, 2 a.m., I think, when, by the time I'd finished or something like that. But where you were, I think, I think that was sort of like, you know, 8 o'clock in the evening or something. Or maybe it was 10 o'clock, depending on the time difference. We just, say, don't we ask got, me what We got time confused. Days. But but Alex, it was a great game, wasn't it? And you've been you know sort of curmudgeonly crook, sort of saying you know it's not going to be good enough unless there's a really tight game because we're all a nation of masochists and we need a, a tight, tense nail biter for us to buy into the tournament. We well, got what you wanted. I did, uh, and I have as a result of that invested in the tournament. I watched both the the first quarterfinals. Enjoyed the second one as well, actually. We might talk about that later, but Germany rode their luck at times. Uh, Austria hit the woodwork on three occasions. I didn't see much from the German side to fear England, actually, if we are on course for an England-Germany final. Uh, but England weren't at their best. You know, for 80 minutes, they were outplayed. Let's make no bones about it. But the coach has made some bold and brave substitutions, uh, particularly in the case of Beth Mead, changes that she would have been hammered for uh, by Darren's colleagues, I think, in the print media, had they not have come off, but they did. I think we'd all been hammering <laughs> whoa, 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 her. It wouldn't whoa, be just whoa, whoa. Darren's colleagues. We were all, I, I, yeah, they're, but they're particularly nasty. I, I listened not, back to the commentary that I did. <laughs> well, I, I listened back to the commentary that I did yesterday, right, okay, and Leanne Sanderson and I were going in on 80 minutes saying there'll be an inquest as to why she's played a right-footed left-back. There'll be an inquest as to why she took off Frank Kirby and Beth Mead. Oh, here's Ella Toon. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the right-footed left-back is, is something that we should debate moving forward because, yeah. particularly in the second half after Spain made their changes, it was a, it was a tough evening uh, for Daly. I'd be surprised uh, as a result that if she starts the semi-final, I think there'll be a clamour. Well, for also there Greenwood was a lot more in. balance to the team once Alex Greenwood came in. But if you remember back to the first podcast we did after the Austria game, it was the first thing we said. The first thing I said to you was, I think over the tournament they'll have to change that mm. because it opens up the pitch more when you've got a left footer. I mean, the amount of times that Rachel Daly put Williamson into a bit of a tight spot because she was destined to cut inside on her right foot. Now, this, I ain't going to blame Rachel Daly for that. Rachel Daly plays for the Houston Dash in in the American League, and she plays as a forward. She's one of the best forwards in the league mm -hmm. you know, when she's played for England in the past she's played as a right back or a right wing back as cover for um, Lucy Bronze 
to play left back at a major tournament is alien to her. Yes, she's done it a few times before, but it's not a normal position for her. So you can't get on the back of her too much. But it was pretty clear she missed a couple of uh, uh, tackles, which caused England's real grief. And when the substitute Del Castillo came on, I mean... She was brilliant, by the way. She caused her all sorts of problems. So, yeah, listen, obviously the the theme of this tournament, and and we spoke to Serena Wiegmann on White and Jordan earlier this week, and you asked her, why is it so important to have a settled team? Why do you not make many changes? And she talked about rhythm. I think she's going to have to make a couple of changes for this semi-final. By the way, I bought bought you a coffee, by the way. Yeah. yeah, I bought you a coffee. Where is it? It's, it's, in, it's in the room. Go and get it. Because you're always moaning that I don't buy you a coffee. I bought you a big coffee. Like, I, it's on your desk. Shall I leave the podcast? Go, and, go, and, go and get it. Go and get it. Because he's been moaning at me all week, right, by the way. That when we come in to do this show, we're doing White and Jordan for two weeks, right? I don't get him any, like, treats. So uh, the other day he went and bought me a coffee because I took him. He was supposed to meet me in the gym, but he didn't turn up because he, he was too tired. Um, so afterwards he bought me a coffee and I haven't bought him one back. So there you go. He's, he's, he's going to go and get it. Uh, Dan, what did you think of the game? I thought it was a terrific advert for the game, for all of those people who still doubt the appeal of the women's game. I was totally invested in it. I found myself tweeting um, my anxiety and then my elation uh, when Georgia Stanway scored that goal. And funnily enough, out here, quite a few of the guys were were, were compelled uh, by it as well. But I do just want to raise a point about... um, <laughs> it's a very. He's back, by the way. He's got his coffee. He's back. Yeah, so you can. He's you, got his coffee. Thank, back. You, thank you very uh, much. You can go in on. Crook was fun. talking about us, uh, the, the the media. Yeah, yeah. nasty, you newspaper boys. <laughs> this is the guy who's just been slating Jesse Lingard all week, and now he's going to have I've to back following today. you guys. Yeah. You know, in the, in the, Alex doesn't spare the horses on any subject. I know. Uh, you know, so it's quite ironic that he talks about the media having an inquest. The inquest obviously starts with you guys because you're at the game yourselves. You're broadcasting live to the nation yourselves. You've got ex-players there. But the other thing is that's quite key is that why are people even questioning a woman who knows how to win this tournament? It's staggering. She clearly knows what she is doing. Uh, the same way that everybody questioned Gareth Southgate from the minute the team was announced in uh, Euro 2020 um, for the opening game against Croatia and then was very much on board with him by the time we got to the end of that particular match. And that was the theme of the entire tournament. Um, but uh, listen, she has done brilliantly. Um, and Georgia Stanway actually afterwards was really interesting because when we spoke to her, uh, Faker Others did the brilliant interview in which she said to her, you know, you struggle to break down uh, Spain for large portions of that game. And Georgia said, hold on, I'm just going to correct you there. We didn't. We knew what we were doing. We we had a game plan. We knew we were going to have to suffer without the ball. We knew I was going to have to get through a lot of work as a central midfield player. And we knew that eventually it would come. We just had to be patient. And we were and we got there in the end. And I just think that there is a calmness and a sereneness about this team, which Wiegmann has in, uh, infected them with, which is really and, going and, to help in those moments. And, and can I add to that? Because, I mean, I, I have been hearing from over here that uh, one or two people have been saying she's got to make changes. Why? The players are not tired. They'll have six days between their victory and yeah. the semi-final. I think it's more so tactical. So they'll have enough time to rest up. Yeah, but everyone says it's more tactical. Why are you second-guessing tactically a woman who knows how to get her tactics right? Yes, and also in- I suppose the other thing is is that the questions would be, I mean, look, apart from the right-footed left-back, which is, I think, a legitimate cause for concern, I think the other change is Elatoon coming into midfield, so it's a little bit uh, bulkier in the actual midfield area rather than Fran Kirby floating as a number 10 and moving out and you know not really getting involved in the game. And uh, Alicia Russo in for White could be described as sort of like the Eddie Jones terms in that she brings on Russo, Kelly, yeah. Toon towards the end of the game because they're her finishers. And I wonder whether or not actually that is that is their role in the team. Tactically, that is the way she designs it. Yeah, it could, that could well be the case could well be the case and, and and obviously we're recording this before we know who the semi-final opponents will be but I don't imagine that they will be put through the ringer maybe quite as much as they were against Spain that was a good Spanish I think, side I even think, without I the think two it, best I think players. it'll be Sweden I yeah. think it'll be Sweden and I think Alex made a really good point the other day about um, he's been on all week and he's made one point all week yeah. <laughs> Go on. what, what was it <laughs> It was exactly around this subject, you know, because obviously he was scathing about the 8-0. And we were all agreed that 
we needed a compelling contest, a, a game that was really tight, really close, really, in a way, dramatic, because it did look as though England were going to go out of the tournament at the hands of a very accomplished Spain team. I was very surprised they couldn't finish England off, mm. but they found a way to win, and they had everyone cheering and, uh, you know, patting each other on the back after Stanway's goal. I mean, that is a that is a David Platt against Belgium moment yeah. in the World Cup. That's that's how I would contextualize. I agree, that. and it could be a huge turning point, not just in England's campaign, but in terms of the appeal, because suddenly we've seen a really gripping game that has had the nation really on the edge of, of their seats, and we in a, the Daily Mirror in our news pages did a big feature on uh, Serena Wiegmann because suddenly now people are investing in it. People want to know. People would only a passing interest in the game. They watched it they might not know all the players they might not know all of the backstories but they're invested now because of that game because of that moment and because of Serena Wiegmann 7.6 million people tuned in to the Brilliant. TV coverage we had a load of hits on our app so we took, that gives us an indication of how many people were listening it was a huge listening night so um, you know obviously people are tuning in yeah and the, the phrase that I used before the game and on Twitter after the win uh, was that as a nation, and maybe this says more about me, but I think there's a lot of people, uh, not just in England, but in Britain, who, who feel the same. We like to see our sports stars suffer for success. <laughs> it's the Andy Murray syndrome, yeah. because people fell in love with Andy Murray after he burst into tears, having lost a Wimbledon final. Even Lewis Hamilton. More people like Lewis Hamilton now because they feel he was cheated and he, and he, he missed out on the F1 title. If he won that, the same old questions would be asked. And I think it's the same with this England team. It, it, we don't take much satisfaction in 8 0 wins, whether it's men, women. It, it, we don't like winning, do we? We what, don't like winning. We like losing or, what, or going really close and then messing what, out. What was the standout moment of the World Cup? It was England winning that penalty shootout against Colombia. Uh, yeah, I was behind the goal, yeah. It's the same, the, the, the same situation. Um, okay, but I wonder whether or not you think, like I did, that the Spanish coach played a bit of a role in England's victory as well by changing his striker for a false nine towards the end of that game, and that allowed England to shift their formation and throw Millie Bright up front. I thought what, we talked about the tactics and just how Serena Vigman just reacts in that moment quickly and makes those little tactical tweaks and shifts the formation that England have got, so it just changes the nature of the way that they play puts Millie Bright into the box. She causes chaos. The ball drops to Ella 2 and it's 1-1. All of a sudden, it's all systems go again. And one thing that Spain really did, uh, well, I thought, was nullify that right-hand side. And whoever England play in the uh, next round of the competition, which we think it'll be Sweden, but we, you never know, they, it, England have to make sure they've got a solution if that is the case again. Yeah, they do. Um, I mean, listen, I remember watching, uh, speaking to you guys after the first game and saying that, um, that right-hand side, it can be electric when it works, but there are moments when it's too ponderous, where it's too indecisive, where there are too many touches, when the delivery should be first time. And I, I think Spain will have seen the deficiencies in that right side and set out to nullify them and did a really good job. And I agree with you. That's something that they'll have to look at. But again, you know, for, I know I sound like a broken record, but... I have faith in this woman because she knows what she's doing. She's not. The, it's hard to make the comparison with Gareth Southgate because ultimately Gareth Southgate didn't win. She won. So you can't second guess what Serena Wiegmann is doing. You have to now trust her process. And, and we know that she's methodical in her planning. She plans for all kinds of uh, scenarios and situations. Spain may inadvertently have done England a favour because if Sweden try and do the same on that left-hand side and nullify uh, the England right... They will, they will be working on a plan in training to come up against that and to beat it. Yeah, and the fact that they can adapt in-game, I think, is really important as well. She doesn't wait. She makes those changes. Actually, England, just before half-time and after half-time, were better than they were. If they hadn't conceded the goal when they did after 54 minutes, actually, I think they might have got themselves into the game uh, over that period. But that was a setback. And as, as soon as that goal went in, quick changes. Let's go. Let's let's change again. And look, sometimes you can think that's a reactive substitution, but actually it's reacting immediately to yeah. a scenario that has presented itself because there's an urgency then to get back into the game. So look, I think she's done a, a terrific job. The game last night was Germany 2, Austria 0. And uh, I must admit, 25 minutes on the clock, Germany scored 
a brilliant, brilliant goal, which I think Manchester City would have been proud of. They pressed high up from the front. They won the ball back just in front of the halfway line. But because their team were so high from the original press, when they turned that ball over, the three strikers were in great positions. They went down to the byline, cut it back. The step over was superb from Pop and it was smashed in by McGull. Now, they they look like a proper team. They they look fantastic. Um, But... They've got vulnerabilities as well, and they did concede quite a few chances last night, Crook. Yeah, they did. As I mentioned already, uh, three times the woodwork came to Germany's rescue. I was really impressed again with Austria, as I was uh, throughout the group stage, to be honest. They gave England Mm. their their toughest match at the group stage. Uh, I thought they looked at their united, uh, very tactically aware team, albeit against Northern Ireland at St Mary's. And And you hung out with them when they did the Congo, didn't they? Yeah, and that was brilliant. That, for me, is one of the moments of the tournament. Gate crashing the the coaches' press conference into a little conga uh, on the stage. I think that told you all you need to know about just how together they are um, as a group. And I think Germany, 2-0 sounds comfortable, but I think they'll be semi-relieved to have got through because had one of those chances that hit the woodwork gone in, it would have been a very different game. Um, uh, of course, Germany are here. Only once have they not been semi-finalists at a European Championship. That was five years ago, but they are back with a bang, Darren. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they were too good for Austria. I mean, Austria... They had their chances. They're only in, in their second Euros. Uh, Germany know how they, they know their way around this competition, and Pop in particular. I think she got 117 caps. Is that right? Um, and I'll she's rivaling Beth Mead for the Golden Boot. And if they are going to win it, they're going to be shooting their way to it because to, to the title. Because yes, I agree with you. They have that 100 percent defensive record in terms of clean sheets. Yeah, not conceded. Um, but when you watch the game, or, or even the highlights, you know you see that Austria had had chances. But just like we're saying that they may have done England the favour, Spain, because England now know they've got to focus on sorting out their right side. Germany now they've got to, now know that they've got to work on tightening up that defence, so that as they get to the business end of the competition, they're not gifting chances to the opposition. I still think they. Well, it's hardly rocket science, is it? I mean. They look serious contenders to win this now. Yeah, they'll be favourites to reach the final. Alexandra Pop, over 120 caps now and 56 goals. She's scored in every game so far, looking for five out of five when she gets to the semi final. Is that a new record well, at the Euros as well to score in four successive European Championship games? I think it might be. She equaled a record, I think, yeah. uh, in four to go four consecutive games. I think another German player done it as well. But I think she's going to try and break that record when we see her on uh, Wednesday night in Milton Keynes because I'll be doing that game with Leanne Sanderson so looking forward to that Um, okay um, shall we move on to some of the other action that has been happening in pre-season some of it's been good some of it's been bad it's been really bad if you're Everton Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Uh oh, we're in trouble. Something's come along and it's burst our bubble. Breaking news it's now been confirmed that Everton striker Richarlison has joined Tottenham Hotspur on a five year deal reported to be worth around £50 million. Charlison was a huge player and now you take him out of that side. Mm. They are really depleted. I think they need two more forwards. Got it to the area. Low cross through the six-yard box. Gordon can't apply the finishing touch. I don't like a manager of Everton coming out two weeks before the season and publicly saying 
we're in a relegation battle. I don't want to hear my manager say that. I'm sorry. I really don't. Left-footed shot. Deflected just wide. Last season, yeah, they, they massively underachieved. They were poor. So they were down there for a reason. They weren't good enough under different managers. Producer across. Calvin is there and he's leaning back. And he gets under the ball and he takes it right over the top of the crossbar. I think they've got they've got to have something up the sleeve. They can't, they can't go into the season with those two, just those two up front. Wowzers. Um, Minnesota United, managed by former Everton legend in Adrian Heath, beat Everton the other day by four goals to nil. Uh, Michael Keane scored an own goal and it was all round just a terrible performance. And afterwards, Frank Lampard did an interview which, well, it was a bit depressing, really. You know, he talked about you know, the players had been in a relegation battle. They need to, ha- they had a great end to the season, but they've got to you know, shake that off and go again this season. I looked at their squad and I just thought, it's really poor because they've lost their best player, haven't replaced them, and they don't really even have the numbers. I was going through it um, for the uh, White and Jordan show. Now, their, their striking options are Calvert-Lewin, Rondon and Ellis Sims. They've only got two wingers in Gray and Gordon. Ali and Awobi in sort of number 10s. Davis and Dakuri and Alan, who's injured, is not playing at the moment. And Kunku, Godfrey, Mina, Holgate, Mikolenko, Tarkovsky, Keane and Patterson... Coleman, the 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 the, uh, the 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 defenders, Pickford, and uh, as the goalkeeper. I mean, it's not a very inspiring squad, is it? I mean, he re- really has to do a lot of surgery. He wanted three or four more in in advance of uh, Tarkovsky. I mean, Mashiri sent this open letter saying, "Judge me at the end of the transfer window." I mean, Frank Lampard, whatever you think of him, I mean, there's no way he's going to do anything other than just about keep that lot up if he's lucky. And the issue that he's got is if you look at the money that other clubs that you would associate with a relegation battle a spending. You look at Brentford, they spent £40 million on two players. They're about to sign Ben Mee on a free transfer. I think that would be a very good addition. Nottingham Forest have signed 12 players, yeah. including a World Cup semi-finalist in Jesse Lingard. Fulham are spending money. So I think it's a worry, not just for Everton, actually, but a few of the established Premier League teams who are financially crippled at this window. Leicester, possibly, as well, although they probably have enough quality players when fit to be okay. Wolverhampton Wanderers are struggling. I think we're going to see a big team, an established Premier League team, go down. It could well be Everton. Yeah, and Wolverhampton Wanderers, actually, are struggling because half their players keep getting sent off and injured <laughs> in pre-season friendlies. Um, but, um, but Darren, he's got a point, hasn't he? And I know you have a go at me about Southampton, but actually Southampton are contenders for that £50 as well. million. Pounds. They spent fifty million pounds, but have they bought any established Premier League players? Listen, this is either going to be genius or disaster. Yeah, but ultimately, when you look around the um, the Premier League, there are other clubs that those promoted clubs have spent a lot of money. Bournemouth haven't spent that much money either, have they? I mean, they they could find themselves scrapping. Well, they will find themselves scrapping yeah, at the bottom of the table. Listen, we know that we have, uh, I have, and you do as well, a, a soft spot for Bournemouth. We know people on the board. We know Scott Parker. They've signed two players on free transfers and you compare that to what Fulham and Forrest have done and I know money doesn't guarantee success. Fulham, uh, two times ago, if that's the right phrase, when they were in the Premier League, chucked loads of money at it and still went down with a whimper. I fear for Bournemouth. I think it's going to be really difficult for them. Do you notice that, Darren, that he he said, we know Scott Parker, we've got a soft spot for Bournemouth, but uh, you will remember back at the end of Fulham's relegation season, he was talking about Scott Parker being all style over substance. Oh, what? You keep sticking up for him. You keep sticking up for him because he wears a nice (laughs) suit, because he combs his hair, because he speaks well, because he's your mate. (laughs) And now all of a sudden, because I've introduced him to him, he's now like, oh. always a rant. Oh, oh, no, no, we like Scott Parker now because he's a mate now. I think he's evolved as a manager. <laughs> what? Because he became friend- because he came friendly with you because we introduced you to him. Brilliant. Yeah, great. <laughs> There's always a rant. <laughs> the rant. The next rant is just around the corner. But back to the point, I mean, Darren, we do genuinely fear for Everton, I think, because they were quite fortunate last season to just about scrape to safety. They've lost, arguably... Uh, their most consistent performer from last season. I know Dominic Calvert-Lewin will be hoping to stay fit and get back among the goals, but don't be surprised if Newcastle try and come in for him between now and the end of the window. I've heard they're very keen. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think you're right across this. This can go one of two ways. Either Frank Lampard finds a way to forge a spirit between the small number of players there, because I think there are still one or two he's got to get out of that club. There are lots of underachieving players that have soaked up the wage bill, taken the money, 
and not done a thing for the club and they've got to go. Uh, so he'll either forge a really good, strong team spirit or he'll realise this is going to get me the sack and he'll get out of there quickly. I think as far as uh, Mashiri is concerned, he's paying the price for playing to the gallery when he arrived. He threw money around like a drunken sailor. There was no strategy to what they were doing. They had directors of football who came in who made bad decisions. And it's a train wreck at the moment. But as I say, it could be that if they're smart in this window, yes, they still, there's only what, two weeks to go to the start of the season. Their first game is against Chelsea. And let me tell you on the evidence, funnily enough, I was in Charlotte and the guys were giving us updates on the Everton game. And um, I think Everton were 3-0 down after half an hour or something ridiculous. Yeah. It, it was it was embarrassing. But on the evidence of what I've seen from Chelsea, they will slaughter Everton on the first weekend of the season unless Everton can start to get their act together. Um, but it's a question of what how, how Lampard views it. What will he do? Will he stick, build, or will he say to himself you know what this is not for me I'm not going to get saddled with the crisis that is Everton's relegation fight this season um, Nottingham Forest have signed 12 players as you mentioned and 12 players who you know are going to add to that squad I mean Omar Richards from Bayern Munich is a left back they've filled the left back hole they've double filled the right back hole they've brought in a new centre half new keeper they've brought in a new goalkeeper who's very well experienced in Dean Henderson and, and a point to prove as well by the way they've got a great coach they've kept Brennan Johnson they've signed Jesse Lingard I mean, that they're going for it. I mean, at the beginning of the, the, the week, I think you were a little bit concerned about Nottingham Forest. But now, looking at them, and I, I never was because I've got a soft spot for Steve Cooper. But now I'm looking at them, I'm thinking, this is going to be, I think they're going to have a good season. I think we should go back to the tape because what I actually said was that Nottingham Forest could be dark horses this season. I then said when we were talking about Jesse Lingard that by default, Forest will start the you season said, in a relegation, relegation battle. battle yeah. yeah, but... Um, yeah. They know in, that. in between slagging off Jesse Lingard. <laughs> but, uh, you know... <laughs> I love I'm, the way you describe Jesse Lingard now as a World Cup winner where on your rant yesterday... World Cup semi-finals, uh, you, calm down. He was, was, was a TikToker yesterday. In your rant yesterday, you said he's hardly done a thing for two years. He shouldn't be putting stuff on Instagram. What's he? That's what he's become known for. Have now. you logged he's into Instagram any? today, by the way? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. Oh, good. Right, okay. Yeah, but you were late for work, but you logged into Instagram out of order. On the train. Is that a fine, Darren? On the train. That is a fine. Our friend Scott Minto, by the way, just uh, posted in our group saying, good de good debate on Jesse Lingard. I 100% agree with Crookie. And I know Scott Minto is somebody who you have great respect for and, and you believe that his opinions on, on football are pretty much the point. So thank you very much for that, Scott. Um, listen, he was a World Cup semi-finalist. That was a long time ago now. I stand by the fact that barring uh, that fleeting spell at West Ham, Jesse Lingard hasn't done a lot we, we're not doing the debate again here but move on but from a Forest perspective clearly it's an ambitious signing the highest paid player in their history if he can produce that form that he did at London Stadium he will be a tremendous addition I still think their best chance of having a good season is the coach I agree with you you look at what Steve Cooper did there last season you look at what he did at Swansea you look at what he did with the England age groups he is a terrific coach so that's why I think they'll be fine yeah. um, it, it's, it's all about how quickly those 12 players gel but I guess it's different for Forrest because a number of their key players last season were low knees. So they were always going to have to naturally regenerate the squad and they've certainly done that. I'm told they want three more through yeah, the door. and I'm not surprised. Darren? Can I just make a quick point on Lingard? I, I think it, it's harsh to judge him on the Manchester United last couple of seasons. There were two managers who didn't pick him and there was an assumption that he'd gone to the dogs and then he went to West Ham and he was, not only did he play well, but his level of fitness, considering he hadn't played for that long, was outstanding. Yeah. So clearly he was focused on looking after himself. His attitude was spot on. Mm. And I think as far as... Uh, all points United, that I made actually on the show, Darren, that uh, you know, I think Scott Minto should have heard and listened to and um, probably would I think have... it was a terrific point. Was, and, yeah. and, and just one other very quick thing. I think as far as United are concerned, they're in such a mess that Frankie de Jong simply doesn't want to go there. He's even done the the nuclear option of saying he doesn't like the city and he doesn't he, 
all of the disparities. Do, do we know that for a fact? Because it seems to me a lot of stuff that's coming out of Spain and the Barcelona camp maybe has been exaggerated. Have we, have we actually, well, no, have we actually got video or audio of Higgs that. saying those words? Excuse me, as someone who reports without that, that how, how can you ask for that evidence just because it's Frankie de Jong and Manchester United? <laughs> yeah, I, not only Take that, those glasses off. Listen, I'll think Graham Hunter won't agree with the conduct of some of the Spanish media surrounding Barcelona listen, this summer has listen, been shocking. Crook, crook, crook. Crook, it's been on, consistent crook. from Frankie de Jong yeah. right from the start. And, and we've so are United Muppets the then? Richard Arnold and John, John Murta are absolute mugs for chasing a player for 10 weeks who clearly doesn't want to come. Do we believe well, that? Well, they did exactly the same thing with Gareth Bale at United as a club. They did exactly the same thing with J- Jadon Sancho a couple of seasons ago, summers ago. It is a, a United way, sadly, at the moment, that they are pursuing people that simply don't want to come to the club. Or aren't available. Or aren't available. The Sancho thing was he, he, they had to pay it by a certain time and they thought they could get it over the line anyway. And they've said, well, no, Borussia Dortmund told you that it had to be done by this date. They didn't do it. They had to wait another year. And that was, that was supposed um, to be the I, I old regime. That was an arrogance about Manchester United that they believe they're the club they used to be and they're not anymore. And that's why they're involved. Under Sir Alex Ferguson, if Frankie Dion had said, no, I'm not coming, he'd have drawn a line under it and moved on. But now, under the current regime, they still believe that they are the, the club they used to be. And it's looking embarrassing for them now. They should have moved on from Frankie de Jong a long time ago. Um, Darren, he has slunk back into his chair with his cup of coffee, moved over towards the corner of the studio, and he's got his phone out and started flicking through Twitter. As soon as you beat him in the argument, he just gave up. <laughs> I wish you could see his face. He's sitting there like... I refuse to believe that United has spent so much time and energy chasing a player who has no intention of joining. This is the third time you've said it. This is the third time you've said it. Third time you've said it. I don't need to hear it again, Crook. I've heard it three times. I don't need to have the same debate every time we put the microphone up. Let's move on to Newcastle. Um, Do they need a statement signing? Because that's what uh, was said yesterday by Darren Ambrose on Drive. I think he's got a point. Um, I was actually... uh, Picking my fantasy team this morning, and I've got two Newcastle defensive players in there in Nick Pope and, and Kieran Trippier. Did you pick De Young? Because that is a fantasy. <laughs> I picked Martial, by the way, which will surprise you. <laughs> Bearing in mind, I've slated him for two years. Uh, but anyway, moving on. I think defensively, Newcastle look very solid. Um, obviously, uh, they're going to get a full season now, a full pre season out of Bruno Guimaraes, who I think could be uh, one of the stars of the Premier League this year. But going forward, I think, is a concern because it didn't really work out for Chris Wood last season. I think they'd probably let him go uh, if they could get a a potential buyer. Callum Wilson, I think, is a terrific player, uh, but can he stay fit? That is always the question with him. Sam Maximan, the same and still a little bit inconsistent. We don't know what we're going to get from Almiron either. I think Eddie Howe wants two players in. I think he wants a right-sided winger, and I think he wants another striker uh, to put a bit of competition in place for Wilson and to cover for him uh, when he isn't fit. The issue that Newcastle have got, and I think you have to laud the way they've gone about their business, they are refusing to pay over the odds for players. They've approached Ivan Tony, they've approached Calvert-Lewin, as I've already mentioned, but as soon as the price tag gets too high, this so-called Newcastle tax, they walk away, which is laudable in one sense, but Simon Jordan has said eventually... You're going to have to pay. Because everybody knows how rich they are. They will have to stick ten million yeah. on the transfer they're, fee. They're delusional. They're delusional. Yeah. They, they 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 keep they're celebrating the fact that they've got these owners and these owners have come in. They've got lots of money, and but then they're going to clubs and saying, "No, we can't afford to pay this or that." Just, don't kid yourself. Just pay the money. Diaby, for example, they want to sign him uh, for the right side, and He's he wanted to come. Player. I think if they're going to stand on their principles and say, "Oh my goodness," and, and, and let's not get too carried away with principles for all sorts of reasons that probably are not for this podcast, but they're well documented. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to, they are going to lose out because defensively they're actually pretty good in the midfield. They're all right, but they're weak down that right side and they need more up front. If they don't get it, they will not finish in the European places, which at the very least they'll be aspiring to this season. Okay. Um, obviously you are, and have been following Chelsea all over the United States of America. You've got more air miles than uh, Concord Pilot. Um, you've uh, checked into your suite in Orlando now after checking out of your uh, um, your Sport apartment in room. Charlotte. It looks um, a tough gig, judging was... by your Instagram, Darren. It looks like you're really up against it out there. Don't Honestly, start it. It's such a stress. 
Why you start don't, just because he gave you a little bit and beat you into a pulp over Frankie De Jong? Don't start, don't, don't start giving him a stick now. Um, how was your day yesterday, by the way? When you finished the, the show, you went off and played nine holes, didn't you? I did. Part of yeah. the last two, lovely. Yeah, mm. relaxing, getting away from you. Yeah, which is good. My mum told me off yesterday. She sent me a text message. She said, uh, "Great show today. Really enjoyed it." But you were a bit mean to Crookie. Yeah, I was like, I was story of your up. life. And then, uh, then his wife texted me and said, uh, "By the way, I like the dynamic. Just keep giving him a bit." <laughs> that was his own wife. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so sorry, Darren. We were talking about you and America and uh, how much fun you're having. But you've been focusing on Chelsea, haven't you? You've been following Chelsea around the country, and there's been a lot of Chelsea stories that have done uh, the rounds, and you've broken quite a lot of them uh, from out there. Um, talk to me about um, first of all. Talk to me about Armando Brogia because I, I don't think this was picked up because it was at the bottom of the article. I think that you did and I think that somebody else did where Thomas Tuchel said actually he's not going anywhere he's just come back to England because he's got an injury is that how you understand it or do you believe that there was a situation where he was negotiating with West Ham I I think the truth is halfway in between I think he might well have a knock and it's convenient for him to go back to England to get it sorted out but they are definitely talking to West Ham about his potential transfer either on loan or permanently um and that i mean bro is a terrific player we know what he did at southampton last season he hasn't been part of chelsea's pre-season you, you say terrific player he's got terrific potential hasn't he um yes that, 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 and that fits and starts like terrific potential it depends on a his attitude and whether he allows last season to go to his head uh, or B, whether he's a prefer, prepared to knuckle down, build on what he's done so far and, as you say, realise that potential. But as I say, to be clear, you know, Conor Gallagher, a young player, he's been part of both pre-season friendlies so far. Armando Breuer, he has not and I don't expect him to be. Um, I, and Tuchel's very good at t- talking up the young players and saying how, you know, I, I, they've been fantastic and they've trained well at a high level and they're part of the group. He's not. Levi Colwell, 19 years of age, terrific, but young defender who's got his whole, a really exciting career ahead of him, played against Charlotte Wednesday night, did well, showed promise. Armando Broya hasn't. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not taking back anything in terms of his quality. I'm just convinced he will not be part of Chelsea's plans this season. And it's just a question of where he goes this season. Answer me this, Darren, because Thomas Tuchel publicly has has praised uh, Broya. There have been stories coming out that he doesn't really want to let him go. I was given (laughs) the complete opposite information. I was told that actually Tuchel doesn't really fancy Broya at all. Which one of those scenarios is true? I don't think it's that he doesn't fancy him. I, I definitely don't think it's that he doesn't fancy him. I just think that as far as Chelsea are concerned, up front they need serious quality. They know that Liverpool have got Nunes and Jota and Salah. They know that City have got Haaland and Alvarez uh, and Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. They need more than just Sterling and Havertz and Mount. They need a 20-goal-a-season man. And Broya right now is not that man. But I don't think that uh, Tuchel doesn't fancy him as a player. I just think he feels he's too inexperienced at the time, at, at this moment in time to hang his hat. Got to quickly tell you, and Sam will notice as well, they've been playing with uh, Mishi Batshuayi up front in the last couple of games. I mean, mm. honestly, I probably could have done better up front than Batshuayi. He clearly is not the one. Um, and He's not even it, the two, three, four, five, or six, is he? That's exactly what I wrote in my match report. Is it? <laughs> it's exactly what I wrote in my match report. He's just not. And I think... It, if Chelsea had got Lewandowski, they would have been absolutely over the moon. I don't really see who the person, looking around Europe, who the person to come in and take that role is off the top of my head. But certainly I do think that Breuer will not be part of the plans. He's a good player. He's been training well. His attitude has been good around the camp. But as I say, not played in either game. We don't expect him to play, uh, be back to play on Saturday. In fact, we don't expect him to be back at all. We expect the winner to close with him at another club. Okay, um, a few more things from Chelsea in terms of uh, Timo Werner. I don't think that Tuchel was too happy with his comments. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, no, okay, no. you took an argument. No, no, no. He was asked about it last night. He was I, th- I thought he was quite brutal. 
I didn't think so. I th- he said, look, um, I mean, I've, I have the transcript here. I was in the press conference. He said, how could you not be happy if you're at the, one of the biggest clubs in the world? If that's me, I'm delighted. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. I don't see that. And, and to be fair, I mean, again, I was, so I'm not talking about reports. I was one of the six journalists that interviewed Werner. And Werner, it was asked the question, will you have to look at your future ahead of the World Cup? And he wasn't scathing, he wasn't angry, he wasn't lashing out or anything. He just said, yeah, obviously I need to play. But then it's the same at uh, Germany. There are lots of players who play in my position and you fight for your place. But, you know, if I'm honest, I do need to think about the World Cup because I want, A, I want to be fit enough to go and I want to be playing enough to go. And B, I want to be in with a shout of starting. That's perfectly reasonable, as was Tuchel's response. So when you sent me that, you were just trying to stir, is that right? When you said to me you wanted me to talk about that. Well, no, this shows how things can be taken out of context if you, were, uh, context if you weren't there. Because yeah. I, I, That's I, why we asked Darren. I, I, read, I read it on, on social media and it looked to me like Tuchel was having a pop at Timo Werner. But I, I guess we shouldn't hammer Werner because that sounds like a very honest response to a reasonable well, we question. We mentioned the other day, this, is a, guy, this is a guy who comes out often actually and speaks very candidly. And I mentioned this on the show the other day. I've spoken to him a number of times and he's always pretty, he fronts up he's got a big smile on his face he talks yeah. genuinely he says you know I remember talking to him about some of the mischances that he'd had and he says well you know Chelsea didn't buy me to mischances they made me uh, one of the highest paid players here to score goals and I haven't done that yet so I've got to do that in the future he's a pretty honest guy isn't he Darren? Very honest and, and that's why it's so good talking to him because he doesn't uh, you know <laughs> And I have the tape recording here that I could easily play to you. But, you know, he was being asked the questions and he was answering them as honestly as he could. And there have been other players that we've asked questions to here who haven't been as honest, who haven't been as forthright. But he wasn't angry. He wasn't. You caused a bit of a stir, didn't you? Actually, you did cause a bit of a stir. For me? Yeah, you did. You went viral. I don't mind talking about it. No, I know. You did cause a stir, didn't you? You did go viral the other day. Did you know that? I did. And the reason I went viral is because I asked Christian Pulisic, uh, Pulisic um, about the gun situation here in America. Lots of people felt I was wrong to do that. And my question to them is this, my point to them is this, what is the issue with asking an American player touring America with his club about an issue that is leading the American news agenda every single one of the days since I've been here? And that affects every single American. No, I, right I, I, I think it was. I, I think the the debate was interesting, but I, I thought what was really interesting was. Uh, Do you Chris, disagree? Do you disagree with me asking that question? Um, I, I I don't know because I don't know the context of it. I mean, but I, I my favourite part. <laughs> My favourite part was the bit where the flustered press officer tried to get in uh, in between you and Christian and uh, gave a what can only be described as the worst excuse in history uh, for not allowing you <laughs> to continue your line of questioning. And he looked like he was having a really bad. Uh, what was the excuse? He just he just went. This is this is um, um, this is not a question for Christian uh, to answer on this tour or something like that, didn't he? It was like, why not? It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the perfect time. Listen, Darren, I um, I defended your standpoint on uh, on the show in the week as you would probably expect me to but I, I agree with you. you you know this is um this is part of a a national side who have signed a letter asking for a change in the way that guns are regulated in America uh, and this was a perfect opportunity for Christian Pulisic to to speak up and be a role model on what has become probably the most important subject in the country right right now. I thought the response from him uh, and from Chelsea as a club was very disappointing. Yeah, I think the only thing what the, the only thing I think that um I think was uh, I, he wasn't ready for it, was he? He wasn't ready for it at all. That was Well, uh, he should have been. He's naive if he wasn't. Well, he's here's a question. Well, exactly. yeah, okay, so here's a question. Well, maybe that. maybe maybe, that, maybe you'd had you'd had everybody. Them. I don't know. Nobody is ready. Let me tell you. I I, I would I wouldn't have normally said this right, but because I don't like to bring myself into this. I stayed in a hotel on Saturday night. Oh, yes. Tell this story because it's interesting. I stayed in a hotel on Saturday night where there were reports of an active shooter and there was absolute pandemonium. And there were people stampeding for the doors. There were um, people abandoning their, their food and restaurants. There were people, you will find it on social media, cowering behind slot machines. Um, so I, there was footage of somebody hiding in a, in a cupboard. And it turned out to be a false alarm. But that's what America lives with right now. There were three 
rest, uh, ho- uh, casinos evacuated. There were uh, fire trucks and police, and whatever. it was absolute pandemonium. There were people crying, women, girls, you know, the guys who would do this. I, I, I'm aware that there were even some people uh, who were related to some Chelsea players who were caught up in it. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm told that. But the fact is that this... So that was the content. That was the context Once as well, because that was in the city out. that Chelsea were in, weren't, weren't it, Absolutely. as well at the same time. So that's what the context was around the question. Exactly. I don't think that necessarily was 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 translated over here when but it, it was just that little even, clip. But, yeah. but, but but no, Sam, Sam, it isn't even. It wasn't no, no. even that. It wasn't even that. The fact is, but that it adds to the context, doesn't it? Gun outrages in America that there have been days of this year yes. so far. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and so you know, and, you know, not being funny, Coco Golf the tennis player, she won her French Open semi-final and used it as a platform to speak about ending gun violence. She is 18. Christian Pulisic is five years older than her. Even if he didn't want to speak, right, then just say, look, lads, Mm. I, I will address it. So, at do you, some point. so I suppose the, the thing is, is that he could have turned around and spoke to himself instead of doing the sort of crumpled face, looking to the right hand side and waiting for somebody else to come and save him. Well, that's the difference between football and other elite sports. Though, I mean, Darren just mentioned Coco Golf. You look at the questions that uh, the, the live golfers have been subjected to, not least from uh, Darren's colleague Neil McClemmon, who I think asked one of them, uh, "Would you go and play a tournament organised by Putin right now?" They don't have the comfort blanket of a press officer. And I do think when it comes to these type of situations, our footballers are too mollycoddled. Yeah. Well, Darren, keep asking the uh, the, the tough questions. Um, it, it stops Crook from uh, causing grief for a couple of days. So um, that's good. <laughs> I didn't even think it was tough. I'd, honestly, I genuinely... Look, I'll be honest with it you. It was tough I for Christian Pulisic by the looks of it. I thought he his would face. welcome the opportunity. Well, yeah, be- because he'd answered it before and because he was part of an American football team that had... Um, it, it quite eloquently espoused their views on it before. You would expect that it was a natural reaction for him to come out and talk about it, but that, that wasn't the that wasn't the case on this occasion. But I think maybe that was a Chelsea PR thing, right? Darren, listen, thank you very much for your great contribution for America. We should let you get to bed because it's now what time? Four. <laughs> Six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not the maths, Darren. Darren, what is it, really? Look at the clock. <laughs> no, it is five to four in the morning. Five to four in the morning, right. Get some sleep, because breakfast buffet is opening in a night, couple of hours' time. <laughs> I'll see you there. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> that's the wonderful night. Darren Lewis, who's with us uh, all the way from America, uh, Alex Crook and I, and we'll be back uh, next week to preview the semi-final between England and, I'm guessing, Sweden. Might be Belgium, probably Sweden. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.